Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, along with the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Howdy. Along with uh, Music Video Sins writers, Barrett Share and Yo. Jay Lalonde. Greetings. All from different parts of the United States of A today. <laughs> um, today we're going to be talking about Grammys and nominations and music in general in 2015. And grandmas. And, uh, you know, I guess what we'll do is we'll just go ahead and kick it off with Barrett, our resident music expert. Well, yeah, so unlike the Oscars, to me, the, the Grammys are more about just kind of looking back over the, um, the last year in music and uh, obviously the performances in the actual broadcast and everything. It's less about the awards rather than talk about the Grammys themselves because they'll be airing on the same day that this podcast comes out. We talk a little bit about the nominees, but more about, you know, what what defined what what uh, you remember about 2015, the beginning of 2016. Uh, what was kind of the uh, the marker of that period of time? Uh, what stands out to you guys, Jay? What, what's the the big thing that that you remember about 2015? I think uh, Kendrick Lamar definitely sealed his place in history as one of the great modern rappers and uh, people in yeah. hip hop. And then yeah. I I think like a a piece of music that uh, and a person in music that. Um, people haven't really talked about this year and this is might reflect where I'm from and um, what I grew up on, but Dr. Dre's Compton album was amazing. Mm, yeah. um, it was almost, it was like a hip hop opera and I thought it was one of the most underrated albums all year, but between those two representing the West coast, uh, <laughs> does that still exist? East coast, West coast. I don't know. Um, sure. I, the coasts I, exist. I thought those two really, um, um, you know, set their mark. And then, of course, you had the typical Drakes and Nicki Minaj's who also had good years. But um, but those two, I think, stand out the most for me. So when you think about 2015, you thought, think about the uh, where the state of hip hop, basically, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, no, hip hop still rules. Um, I mean, you, Taylor uh, Swift is still like, you know, a huge name. And then even like, even uh, someone like The Weeknd uh, really popped into um, the bigger conversation. And you see oh, that yeah. on, on YouTube. Um, these artists really killed it this year. But um, it's easy to say this and talk about mainstream acts. I know we're going to get a lot of shit because people are going to be like, yeah, but what about this one band that two people have heard of that has like a billion people on SoundCloud? <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to get shit all day long for that. But, we're, we're you know, since we're talking about Grammys and, you know, people who really made a mark in 2015, I, those are the people who come to mind. Hmm. You know, uh, there's a few things, I guess, uh, for me that stand out. Uh, I think there was a, a period of time where in, you know, 2015, you couldn't get on the Internet without hearing about the Chris Stapleton, Justin Timberlake performance <laughs> at the CMA Awards. Um, that seemed like that defined uh, a piece of the year um, easily because uh, it was in everybody's Facebook feeds forever. Um, you know, here, here's another angle of it. Here's somebody shooting it in the audience, you know, yeah. um, that type of thing. Um, and since we are a, a YouTube based, uh, you know, uh, entity here, um, I was looking at these, uh, record of the year nominations and everything. And, uh, and I was like, who was, ha who had the biggest YouTube hits? And remember when Gangnam Style, it was a big deal for a, a song to hit a billion views. Mm -hmm. Now this is happening regularly. Um, and, and out of all that group that is in record of the year, Taylor Swift, uh, Bruno Mars, The Weeknd and all that, who had the biggest hit? Bruno Mars. Oh, well, Mark Ronson featuring Bruno Mars. And who had the most views on YouTube? Who do you think? Uh, out of best record? Yeah, record of the year. Uh, well, probably Taylor Swift. Yeah, uh, Taylor Swift uh, has 1.4 billion views for Blank Space. And Uptown Funk had 1.3 billion. They're basically the same. Damn. Um, Damn. The weekend is almost about to hit a billion. 
Um, it, it for which ma- one? Uh, the I can't feel my face. Ah. Um, I think there's another one on there. What's the, what are the other nominees that 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 there's that one that's for record of the year. It's Ed Sheeran, who's got to be up there too. Yeah, that one's up there as well. I don't know if it's hit a billion yet, but it's up in the nine hundred million or something like that. Yeah, and the other one is the D'Angelo really love song, which can't have that. Many no, people. it's not. It's not in the same class as those four. Yeah. Um. But uh, that that's what stuck out to me is that it's apparently like you know, uh, it's up easier now, or people have started to choose YouTube more often, uh, for their listening, you know, purposes now. Um, but it's not inconceivable that one of these songs could overtake Gangnam Style at some point because Gangnam Style is at like 2.5 billion or something like that, which is still a billion ahead. Uh, but it consider- I think Uptown Funk has the best chance to to overtake it more so than than Blank Space, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I I was kind of surprised that Blank Space was already was still ahead, or you know, didn't Blank Space come out before Uptown Funk? Yeah, just a, a few months before. Yeah, so I think Uptown Funk is probably catching up and is going to pass at some point. Um, and yeah, I think it does have a good chance because now you know, looking at these numbers, I'm I'm just I'm just shocked because Gangnam it was a big deal for Gangnam Style to hit a billion, uh, you know, back then, and then now it's just like oh, it's happening all the time now. Well, that's an interesting point because Gangnam Style was popular. Like you put that on. The reason that it, it collected so many views is that you put that on for a family member or like somebody who hadn't seen it and be like, you have to watch this crazy shit right here because it was more visual. It was the dance. It was Psy being all Psy-y and crazy mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. And it was less the song. The song's kind of just a stupid pop ditty. But uh, Uptown Funk is kind of the converse of that where there's more – uh, substance in the song itself and the only reason or not the only reason but one of the big reasons that it would get so many views is that people would put it on in the background at parties or something like that or while they're getting ready for something um, rather than it it doesn't really add all that much visually besides Bruno you know getting his his hair dead and everything with Mark Ronson and and uh, <laughs> you know polishing his shoes and, and and that shit so yeah I mean the so that's actually interesting maybe it, because in that case then blank space has probably a better video than song I would say and I think well, yeah and, and it's kind of uptown funk and it's kind of uh, interesting uh, I think Taylor Swift sort of brought back music videos like i don't maybe yeah, i'm complete i'm maybe i'm completely off the off the you know mark here maybe there's been people making 90s 80s style music videos all this time but taylor swift really sort of ha- came back with that especially with bad blood which was like a uh you know it was a theatrical video like we used to see you know that I, that's one thing that you know i i think is really really interesting about that because i mean you know you don't really it used to be you had to make a, a music video to get your song to be a success and everything and then that fell by the wayside and now it looks like it's making a comeback let me ask jeremy what what was your thoughts on on how 2015 shook out musically uh in in your mind did you have anything that that kind of defined it or, or or stood out to you? I just it's just Taylor Swift everywhere, and yeah, I don't really have the problem with that that some people do. Um, but it seemed like she dominated, at least in terms of like my memory of that time in music, whether it was you know, on YouTube or on the radio or on freaking TV or you know, she was just everywhere. It wasn't even close. I mean, she's by far the most dominant performer this year, right? Yeah, I mean, I think there were a lot of memorable music moments this year. I think Uptown Funk is, in, in any other year, that's the thing you come away with, maybe. But she was just everywhere. All, every single one of her songs was huge. Like, I was looking over the Grammy nominations earlier and was surprised to see that Blank Space is the one that she's nominated the most for, because I, I don't think that's close to being the best song off that album. But No, no, I agree. Um by the way, uh, you know, and this is, and this, I guess this conversation is going all over the place, but the Grammys really need to stop this record of the year and song of the year thing. Oh God. They need to stop this. Um, I know that, I know that the record of the year is for the, you know, they look at everything, the performance, the producers, all this other stuff. Song of the year. Why don't they just call it songwriting of the year? Why can yes. they not do that? 
Yes, I totally agree. I've been trying to figure out – I guess it made more sense back in the 60s where you would have a completely different songwriter and a completely – uh, which obviously still happens today, but it, it was just more common to to separate uh, the performer versus the person who wrote it versus the person who produced it and that kind of thing. And it was, you know, important back then. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's record of the year. It's if it goes to Taylor Swift, it's not like, well, uh, and then she also wins song of the year. It's not gonna be like, well, her production staff really did the record of the year. So she really <laughs> didn't have anything to do with that, but good for her getting the song of the year. Yeah. No. And, and, and the other thing about the Grammys is, is, you know, you you were, you said it right off the top that it's not really about the awards. It's about everybody doing their thing and the performances and all that. I don't know if, is this, is this the least, this is one of the least essential major awards, right? Because yeah, for sure. It has it's everything. Every it's it's if the Oscars had it's like sort of parallel this. If the Oscars had a category for best horror performance. <laughs> Don't give them know, ideas. <laughs> you know, the the Grammys, you know, we gotta appeal to everybody. And the thing is, it's weird they they, they feel the need to do that because all these people who are getting like best metal performance and all that, they aren't going to go up on the stage and you know, it's all going to be awarded before the show. Um, but it's like, you go through these nominees and you're like, God, <laughs> I wish they would, they would award best metal performance live during the broadcast. Oh, it would, like would be Slipknot, fantastic. Slipknot come up and accept. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good God, though. I mean, there's just so many awards. And like it, anytime you see, I I have this sort of this idea that you can go to a Wikipedia page of any band and find out that they've at least been nominated once for a Grammy. They probably won several Grammys, too. You you just don't know it. Yeah, it's it's definitely absolutely the least essential uh, and more egalitarian. I, well, I, I would say the Emmys are, are about the same, though. Yeah. Because you've got your local yeah, Emmys, they, and then you've got your production Emmys, and you've got your daytime Emmys and all that. Yeah, and, and you can that's another one. You can pick almost any actor who's had any sort of famous role over the years. They've probably won an Emmy. Well, it seems to me like the Grammys, I've always viewed them as different from the Oscars, in that like the Oscars are definitely trying to award the best the very best quality, right? And like the Grammys seem to take popularity into account. Like, oh, this single was number one for six months. It's uh, give it a Grammy. And I'm like, wait, what? Is it a good song? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel yeah, the same way. It's a popularity contest. Yeah. And, and speaking of Bieber, did he not have probably the best year that he could have? I, w- I would say career wise, it couldn't have gone any better for, for Bieber. At this point, it was a redemptive album. It was actually musically pretty good. Uh, his music videos are, like Chris was saying, up around a billion. And it, it really, certainly, like, where are you now? And then um, what do you mean? Like, all these you things. <clears throat> and, uh, of course, Sorry and all that stuff. Like, they really became uh, a big movement for him. And these late stage, you know, teeny bopper pop stars have now kind of entered into that next thing where they could go you know two routes they could go like uh, um this is what i'm interested to see what harry styles does after one direction actually is to see if he goes like a justin timberlake route or if he goes like a bobby brown route or, or something like that you know well he really did himself a favor with the most recent single the the soft guitar love yourself thing like, oh absolutely that came on the <laughs> radio and i was about to change it and my wife said what's this and i was like this justin bieber and she was like wait really and she listened to the whole <laughs> thing and she loved it and i was like great <laughs> it's a good song. The worst, the worst part of that song is him. Well, speaking of which, uh, 2015 might also be known for uh, the year that everybody decided masturbation's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it. Everybody's got a yourself song, um, you know, and it's and 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 I it was amazing when all these uh, scripts for the music video sins were coming in. I was sitting there going, "Is are these all the same song? Are they just?" <laughs> what's the deal with this man everybody's loving themselves what's going on with that um and it's all in a row it's crazy i have never seen anything like it um 
but you know, I'm not going to complain if Haley Steinfeld and Selena Gomez want to sit there and talk about flicking the bean. I, I really don't have any problem with that whatsoever. Uh, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'll bow out of this topic for now. Yeah, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> Hey Chris, can we run down? I don't want it to be a Grammy centric, as in like that's the only thing we talk about. But we want it, can we run down like the, the four big uh, categories? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, so so record of the, we talked about the difference between song of the year and record of the year, which is total bullshit. But record of the year, which includes the production staff and the uh, engineering and things like that, has uh, they all have five ca- uh, candidates. You've got D'Angelo with "Really Love" that came off of that Black Messiah album. And before we we started recording, Jay was talking about how that really didn't necessarily catch on. Yeah, that uh, was that's. I actually just heard that song uh, a couple of days ago, and I said, first off, I was like, "What? Well, who is this?" Yeah. And then played it, and I was like, "Oh, that's a perfectly good song." It's a it's a weird song to be nominated off that album, actually, because mm-hmm. the rest of the album is you know the the really love is more like kind of flamenco and, and a little bit of like a uh, a different influence than a traditional R and B. Uh, but the rest of it is is kind of different from that, and I think there's much better songs that could be uh, nominated. I don't know how I don't know how songs are nominated in the Grammys uh, or anything is nominated in the Grammys, but could this possibly be something where there's a bunch of songs nominated, like to consider, and and everybody divides up their votes, and something like that ends up being a higher vote count just because everybody split up their votes on the better stuff. I don't know if it if it's enough to to actually get it to the the actual award, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like the two big ones here, Uptown Funk and Blank Space, and Can't Feel My Face is is a great track and maybe uh, popular. Ed Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud doesn't it? I don't think has a chance. Yeah, but yeah, I think those two big heavyweights will probably kind of split the vote. And maybe maybe something can can come out of nowhere like the the weekend. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the the album. Okay, so that's record of the year. Um, <laughs> If it were up to me, Uptown Funk, I, I think, should be the record of the decade so far, I think. Mm-hmm. I, it, to, to me, it feels like it has to be Uptown Funk. I mean, I, I agree that you can't count out Taylor, but it, this feels like to me just like when, uh, you know, somebody's been uh, lavished with awards all their whole life and everything. And, you know, hey, it's time to give the new person something. And this song was, you know, you're talking about ubiquity that this song was everywhere. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing Uptown Funk. Every wedding you went to had Uptown Funk. Um, You know, anytime you turned on the radio, Uptown Funk, you know, it was everywhere. And I can't see how you can not give it the, the, you know, the record of the year. I heard it played at a funeral. You heard it at a funeral? No. No, it's still everywhere. The fact that you kind of believed it says something. (laughs) (laughs) It does. It says a lot more than you think. Well, this is, and this gets into the bullshit about the song versus record of the year because song of the year does not feature Uptown Funk uh, by Mark Ronson, by the way, not Bruno Mars, uh, who would would get the credit, but obviously it's Bruno Mars' song. But yeah, song of the year has a, a song that Chris and I were talking about before, Kendrick Lamar's All Right. Mm-hmm. which is a terrific, unbelievable song. Uh, I don't know, even know if that's the best song off of that album. No, I, I like King Kunta really best off of that album. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it's sort of a, 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 an interjection here about Kendrick Lamar. You had mentioned something about um, you, you, feel, you felt like those would be bigger albums in the 90s or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, the, is this, is it, is it is it wrong of me to bring up the N word on these too? <laughs> Generally, you get a reputation as a guy who really likes talking about this. Um, well, here's the thing: you can't get radio airplay really with, especially a song like "All Right," which is mm-hmm. constantly, constantly. Yeah. And yeah. I, and and earlier, I was I was looking for Drake's "Back to Back," which doesn't have an official video, but also littered with it yeah and like that's another that might be one of the reasons why it didn't take off as much as it could have 
uh, both of those songs or both of those. Well, I mean, Drake's obviously huge, but um, but it, that sounds like something where you, you kind of got, you know, you kind of got put on a list where you can't really play that song on the radio. That's a good theory. I like that. Yeah. I wonder how, because there's always radio edits from, from the old like Snoop albums from Doggy Style and from The Chronic, obviously. And maybe it just wasn't as frequent. I mean, it, it seems like it was listening to the uncensored version, uh, but then the radio edit would have, you know, um, I can't remember all the, the different, you know, stand-ins for, for that word and for, for the other curses. But uh, yeah, you'd think that there would be some way to, to get that edit done back in the mid two thousands or so. Do you remember watching uh, MTV or, and they would just cut out chunks of the lyrics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so annoying. <laughs> it was so annoying. The Cause they would be sitting there like, yeah, like somebody would be in the middle of this big, huge, you know, flourishing rap. And it'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the rap stylings of Chris Atkinson, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so yeah for for the song of the year blank space is on there interestingly i don't know you guys are, are in chris and jeremy are in country territory you probably heard girl crush from little big town no you know what i i tend to even though i'm living in the heart of nashville i don't hear those songs that often but i did hear that one uh i had to go find it and i as oh yeah i think i vaguely remember hearing this somewhere before um but yeah i heard it it's so good. Yeah. It is really, it's a really terrific song. It, the harmonics on there are just to die for. Like I, I heard it once and was just transfixed. Um, and it's sort of Nashville's, uh, you know, sort it, they've been doing this for the past few years, uh, sort of gravitating away from that usual twang and usual, um, uh, <sighs> whatever makes country country, you know, whatever people don't tip typically like about country, they've been sort of going more a pop directions. Why for a long time, Taylor Swift was still being considered a country artist, even though she wasn't. Um, but you're, but you're seeing, you're, you're seeing like different, uh, artists like Casey Musgraves and all these people come in and they're singing about different things than normal country music used to sing about. No, you're exactly right. And actually that brings, uh, I wanted to just briefly touch on album of the year. And one of the big surprises for album of the year is Chris Stapleton, Mm -hmm. who is kind of the, what was generally considered like the Nashville rebel, but now has become more of the norm in not necessarily, I don't know what they call it, like bro country or something like that, uh, which (laughs) I guess was more of like the Zach Brown type of type of guys. But like he's more old school country, like your Merle Haggard and your Johnny Cash and, and that kind of thing. And it's it's really, really fascinating. I mean, it's 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 like proto rock that uh, Tennessee Whiskey song on this album really could be played on any radio station or any playlist or anything like that. It's not traditional country, even though it's more. If this makes sense, it's more country than anything that's been coming out of Nashville for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 if you want to aspire to do great country music, then you want to go back then because that's the only country music that's tolerable to me is the the older stuff. You know, it helps that that guy can sing. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know, I don't don't think I can name a single other country music star that's male that I've heard sing that could hold a candle to this guy's voice. That's correct. He's really really good, and and that's sort of I mean that's sort of why that. His duet with Justin Timberlake was such a, you know, landmark thing was that oh, it's incredible. Was, he's yeah. great. And Timberlake's little falsetto, you know, sort of offsetting it and everything is perfect mix. It's surprising to see how well or hear how well he can sing uh, just by looking at him. I don't know. You know <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't yeah. seem like he's he, got those chops. He's on He's 90 percent beard. That's profiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two things I wanted to mention. Best new artist, I actually didn't even want to talk about because I thought it was a, a bullshit category. But then I went back and looked, and the best new artist uh, winners have been actually really predictive of future success. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Let me hold on. Let me just read you this list of the last, you know, few years here. So, okay, we don't really know what's going to come out of Sam Smith from last year. Macklemore two years ago in 2013 was fun. Uh, which may probably will make a comeback after they kind of went their separate ways. 
2012, Bonnie Vare. Uh, 2000, so it was still thriving. 2011 was maybe a little bit of a blip. It was Esperanza Spalding. <laughs> yeah. Who? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But then, then look at this run, though. So 2010, Zach Brown Band. Obviously a huge thing right now. 2009, Adele. That's a win. Mm-hmm. 2008, Amy Winehouse. Yep. Uh, 2007, Carrie Underwood. 2006, John Legend. 2005, gave us Maroon 5, unfortunately. Right. And, <laughs> and on and on and on. Evan Essence was 2004, which didn't last long. But then <laughs> yeah. Nora Jones, Alicia Keys, Shelby Lynn, Christina Aguilera in 2000. So this actually has been pretty a pretty good predictor of success. Interesting. It is interesting. I I, um, I I listened to a few of these um, new artists, and the one that I liked out of I'm sure that it's going to be Megan Trainer's uh, one to win. Sure. Um, but the the one is it is it Courtney Barnett is right. her name? Yeah. Well, I actually heard five of her songs. Um, one was called uh, Pedestrian. What is it? At best. Pedestrian at best, which reminded yeah. me of like the nineties indie rock scene. Um, it was, it's just, it's got that fuzzy guitar in it and all that. And it's really a cool song. I have heard of her and I agree. Like she's like, I could see her music being in commercials, you know, like, yeah. Um, but bounty is like, is, is her jam. Right. So I don't know if she's the one. I think you're right. I think Megan Trainer will be the one that that sticks with it. Um, and that feels like the one that will win. It's the one that everybody really knows out of that group. Um, she's also had a career, like a lot of artists, as a songwriter. So mm-hmm. she's written a lot of songs for people that are famous and people who are producers and people who will be voting for the Grammys. So I think that gives her an edge. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you're looking for somebody to come out of nowhere, I would say Tori Kelly. Just yeah. because she's... So talented. I mean, she's got an incredible voice. She's yeah. got a Christina Aguilera voice. Yeah, and she's and she sings in that that genre there where you know it's it's the perfect pop music type of you know it's it's easily accessible. Yes, it is. Okay, the the last category I just wanted to to look at the hilariously rock performance. This is always funny to me every year, and it's been getting more and more hilarious. Uh, Florence and the Machine. Eh. it's really stretching there. Alabama shakes. Okay. You could do Foo fighters are basically, you know, if they fart out an album once a year, they'll get in there. Yeah. They're the the Meryl Streep of rock. Exactly. (laughs) L King is nominated for rock performance. Right. Weird. And this is an interesting thing. So there's a band called Wolf Alice that's nominated. Are you guys familiar with this? Yeah. You, you sent me a song of theirs earlier this morning and I listened to it. And it was really pretty good. I liked it. It's a this band's incredible, actually. It, it's uh, <clears throat> I had never heard of them before, and it, you know we're trying to you know cover as many bases as I can, especially in rock because I'm looking for anything that that is you know half awake. And this is a real. Chris is talking about like a '90s throwback thing. This is more of like a '90s like fuzz based throwback to like Liz fair or maybe even like garbage or, or something like that. That's got a, a female lead, but is just really, really poppy and heavy. It's, it's almost like a conversion of like Liz fair and smashing pumpkins. Right. Maybe they, they wouldn't want me to, or, or whole hole. There's a, a whole, a whole, whole influence. There. <laughs> well, which hole is, cause I like the last whole album that was a little more produced and poppy. The Malibu, the one that had Malibu on it? Oh, the one that had all the poppy songs. You put yeah. me on the spot, bastard. No, 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 no. I, I, I forget the name of the album. But yeah, it's it's more in that uh, in that uh, direction. Well, man. But it's really, really good. I listened to it. I ended up downloading you know everything they had. Uh, and it's really, really terrific. So I, I hope they win. Probably like me, nobody has ever heard of them. Uh, but yeah, they're really, really terrific. I'm going to check it out after the bands you described it as being similar to, cause I like all those. Well, yeah. and, and uh, that video that you sent me, Barrett uh, reminded me a little bit and I could be off base here, but uh, it reminded me of that squirrel nut zippers video that came out <laughs> yeah. in the nineties. The one that was the, uh, in the afterlife or whatever. Yeah. That, hell, hell was the name. Of the yeah, yeah. Hell, hell. Yeah. It reminded me of that for some reason. And I can't quite put my finger on it. It might be just the, uh, I don't know. I don't know it was what the look of it. I know exactly what you're talking about. It was that red background in a lounge club and everything, and the, yeah. the lighting and and even the 
the singer in the video who's affecting uh, this woman's voice, uh, who's who's a guy, uh, it, 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 it kind of had the same look, like a vaudeville type of look. So Yeah, uh, yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, squirrel nut zippers. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we definitely all should uh, take a look, uh, take a listen to Wolf Alice after this because, that yeah, you're right. Uh, all those different bands and people that you just mentioned are amazing. So, so speaking of 90s bands, I thought this was hilarious because I, I put a list of – what what I was looking forward to in 2016 because I actually want to hear what you guys think, uh, but I just think it's hilarious that the the following bands are putting out albums in 2016: Metallica, Radiohead, Soundgarden, Deftones, Smashing Pumpkins, and less hilarious but still equally interesting is Nine Inch Nails. Hmm. Okay. Um, and I, I I am probably looking forward to maybe two of those. Yeah, that, that's a <laughs> problem with some of those bands. Uh, they've had their peak, and and that's that's where they're gonna be. I mean, that Metallica, I don't think has come out with anything good since Black Album, have they? Hmm. Saint well, Anger. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. See, I mean, most of these things that you mentioned might have a song on it that's yeah. good, but I don't Maybe. know if there's uh, like if if it gets past three good songs. What what people generally consider is as their return to form after those whole um, kind of more after they cut their hair, you know, right? <laughs> and the, and uh, they started doing like songs that would be featured on Chevy commercials. <laughs> um, the the return to form was Death Magnetic back in two thousand eight ish, two thousand eight. Yeah, and that was kind of they say more of like an injustice for all or or. Um, or uh, ride the lightning, or uh, master of puppets type of thing. I I don't think it was. Yeah, I, was, I just I disagree. Were more symphonic, you know, I, more structured in nature. I I, I'm I'm thrilled to see Metallica coming out with a new album because it means they're going to tour. And whether you like them or not, or maybe you might know like one song of Metallica, go and see a Metallica show. It's fucking awesome, and there's no other way to describe it. Yeah, I, I actually went to one, and it was at here in Nashville at Bridgestone Arena, and I just couldn't hear anything. <laughs> it, I was in a wrong, I was just in the wrong spot um, because a lot of the people who were there were like, "Oh, it was awesome! I was at this this row and whatever," and I was like, "Man, all it was was noise." I knew what songs they were playing, but. Uh, I just wasn't in the right spot, so I did. I came off not enjoying it. I don't think it was because of them, though. You don't go to where Chris goes, right? But <laughs> I, I, I think it was just a weird, you know, warp in the sound that from where I was sitting, and no, yeah, they, they're super loud in in general, so it's hard to really pick out anything. They actually they play Bonnaroo somewhere around two thousand six or, or something like that. And uh, they stopped in Nashville the night before, and they played this small club called The Basement. Yeah. I think Chris has yeah. been, been yeah. there. And it's, you know, maybe the size of a... Basement. A basement. <laughs> like, a, like a big basement. Like maybe a two-bedroom apartment or something like I've that. I've been there. It's tiny. It's a closet. You've been there? Yeah. Yeah, it's tiny. And they played there the night before, and apparently they didn't really turn down their amps. Jeez. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my god! Everybody walked out of there and no idea what they listened to, but they knew it was awesome. Yeah, um, you know, also on that list, uh, Smashing Pumpkins. I, I uh, actually recently saw them as well uh, at the new Ascend Amphitheater here in Nashville. Oh, really? How was it? Um, he, here's my thing: like uh, the reviews that came out afterward were saying, "Wow, what a great show!" and all this other stuff. Um, I didn't really like the show when it was, when it came to the old stuff, because I think Billy Corgan has, is officially too is tired of all that stuff from the (laughs) nineties. So almost every big hit, it looked, it, it sounded like to me that he was rushing through it and saying, let's just get this and you know, let's give the fans what they want. But what I really want to sing are my new, newer songs. And he, he really put a lot of energy in the newer songs and they were really good from what I could hear. Um, I, I was, I was actually, I was actually more impressed with the newer stuff than the older stuff, but he wasn't giving the older stuff the, the good old college try like he should have. 
But that's so annoying to me. They actually they've been doing. I don't know if it was that that he didn't. He probably didn't want to play them anymore. But they've actually been playing songs at like a one and a half times speed uh, live mm-hmm. since about 1996. The, oh, really? The, the first time I saw them, I was and maybe they didn't want to play today for like the nine thousandth time at that point or like Cherub Rock. But it just seemed like either they were on some very strong amphetamines or they were uh, just kind of this is their their thing. They play their songs fast and everything. And it was over in, a, you know, the three minute song was over in like two minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah, it was, it's annoying, too. Now, and also this this could also have something to do with, although I'm not going to blame it completely, but uh, Nashville's curfew at 11 o'clock Um where you know you, you can't play past eleven if you're especially if you're outside, I guess that's one of the rules mm. uh, because all the neighbors complain and and so on and so forth. So they it could have been something like that where they're like, let's get this in so that we can do the other stuff. Um, but you know you, you did that on all the older ones. You didn't do that on the newer ones at all. Uh, I saw them uh, about twenty or so years ago as well at at Vanderbilt. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that was a good one. Yeah, and that was a really good show. Um, uh, that was basically just Cherub Rock. That's all they had out at the time. Uh, well, b- besides the what, what was the first album? Uh, it was uh, Gish. Yeah, Gish. They had Gish and Cherub Rock out at the time, but that that was it. And that was a really good show. Good energetic, you know. Oh, we saw Smashing Pumpkins, and it was and it rocked. You know, they were touring uh, with garbage at that point no at the time uh catch this uh there was a band called red red meat yes (laughs) yeah they were from chicago yeah yeah that was a hell of a show Uh, here's a shocker red red meat was not best new artist nominees by the way oh it's such a it's such a robbery it just shows how the grammys are are not you know they're not relevant anymore perfect (laughs) what are you gonna do Radiohead might be interesting, but they're also a band that's been around for so long now. I'm so tired of Radiohead. Just, yeah. just stop it. And, just stop it. Well, and I also, I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm alone on this, um, but that that heap of praise thrown on uh, what album? Are you thinking? Are you thinking about Kid A? Kid A. Kid yeah, A. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Kid A. Um, was by Rolling Stone and by Pitchfork, number yes. one uh, yep. in in that decade. And yep. I have heard this album many, many, many times. And I had never got it, never got it once, that it was the best of that decade. Now, you're not alone. Uh, and there's, there was I, I, I ne- backlash that, that to it. Was, you were alone, but now there's backlash to it. Uh, the proper backlash, I think. I think... The way it was explained at the time was they did OK Computer as their concept album. And then because they were so popular or one thing or another, they said, well, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to become computers. And, you know, here's here's our computer album. And that became Kid A and its follow up and Amnesiac, I think. Yeah. I had a friend who would just always extol the virtues of that album. And I just, man, what is it that I'm missing, guys? I'm missing it, too. I don't know. And I, I've, I heard, I mean, there's a couple of songs on there that I, I really like, but all the other stuff, I'm like, eh, yeah, I can do without that. I don't have to hear that every time. That's not something that I need to go back to. Idiotech was was probably the one that you're thinking about. It's it, That's a terrific song, but mm-hmm. I think that album was massively overrated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's It might be the most overrated album of all time. Yeah, I could get that. I would... Um, I probably should edit this out, but I would put Sergeant Peppers on there as one of the most overrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's probably a good one too. Um, but uh, yeah, so so Radiohead coming out with a new album uh, for me, I, you know, I, and I'm I guess I'm old school about Radiohead, but I like the Bends and I like OK Computer the best. And and since then, they've come out with almost inaccessible music to me. So, Jeremy, what do you think of the Kanye album? Are you excited? Yes, I can't contain my excitement. <laughs> I'm over this guy. I'm so over this guy that he can rap about having sex with Taylor Swift and making her famous and then claim he got her permission and she loved it, even though her spokesperson says, yeah, no, that's not what happened. And we're just looking the other way because he's entertaining. Dance, dance for us, but 
you know, be a dickhead. I hate him. <laughs> Go on. No, I'm done. That's it. That's it. But, I mean, you can enjoy his music, and I don't blame you for that. So, uh, but, what about you guys? Are you? Are I mean, I, I will of course listen to it because I, I've liked all the stuff that Kanye's come out with beforehand. Before this, what are you excited about a new album? Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. with you. I agree. He's a dick, but like, uh, I actually think Yeezus was one of the most underrated albums uh, from 2013. Um, it was actually I was first blown away by it when I heard him do New Slaves on Saturday Night Live, and I was like, Oh my god, this is an avant-garde performance by Kanye West. <laughs> I, I think that sentence actually came out of my mouth, uh, which is a little uncanny. But uh, So, yes, he's a dick, but he's he does put out really cool and innovative work. And to go back to his original stuff, like College Dropout, I think, is one of the great albums of uh, in the last uh, 20 years or so. Well, and is this, is this outrageous, quote-unquote, behavior by Kanye... Is it no different from Miley Cyrus going around and doing the stuff that she does and um, all these artists that really are more about, you know, you know, it's debatable whether or not you think Miley Cyrus has good music or not. But um, but they're more than just the music. They're also an act and they're always trying to, you know, pimp their act. I think that's different than Kanye. I think I think I mean, Kanye's legitimately believes everything he does is great and can't fathom anyone else agreeing. And this is, you know, I go all the way back to that Katrina telethon where he decided to say George Bush doesn't care about black. Like he's always on his own agenda <laughs> and he's always me, me, me. And he's an asshole. <laughs> and Listen. I think that's different than regular self-promotion. Jeremy, but can you also agree with this? That is one of the great last moments of live television that I think we've seen in our lifetime. Well, I mean, <laughs> that was, that was pure shock value and chaos. Yes, but yeah, that, I don't think I don't think we can. I mean, he could have punched somebody in the face, and it would have been a memorable TV <laughs> moment. <right? laughs> I'm just grateful for that moment. Like, I was in New Orleans during Katrina. I was stuck for three nights and four days wow. and helicoptered out of New Orleans, uh, wow. right out of the Superdome. And I got back to dry land. I saw that shit. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly if you have that kind of context for it, then you have you know a way better and different uh, perspective than we would. But, but I just want to be fair. Jeremy is hitting the nail on the head by calling him an asshole. I don't disagree with that, but like I, I, I see it all as purely entertainment, and if he's going to make an ass out of himself on national TV, at least I get to laugh at the – um, out of the world kind of unfolding in front of our eyes. Um, well, and also it makes that, that South Park fish sticks episode <laughs> way, way funnier too. When you put it in that type of context, when it's just, you know, you know, what Jeremy is saying about Kanye is, is extremely sent up in that episode. <laughs> I need to watch it again. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, um, just just the it's it's based on a you know it's the episode is just about a, a silly joke that the kids tell and Kanye doesn't get it and <laughs> and he and he keeps trying to come up with uh, intelligent uh, explanations for why it's funny and you know on all that and and everybody's you know he takes the joke seriously um and people think that he's gay or whatever he thinks that people think that he's gay or whatever because he he likes fish sticks and <laughs> and he and he and he's he's you know he tries to come up with all this explanation for it and everything it's just it's funny there are a couple of really good questions that will take a long time to answer i'm going to put them in my pocket for next time um but ones that would be a little easier to answer quickly one of them wants to know all of our thoughts on the latest batman v superman trailer Okay. Uh, I, I go ahead. I'd say go ahead, Jeremy, on that and answer, and then I'll I'll put my thoughts in on it. All right. Well, this is clearly the trailer they should have put out last time, um, and they're clearly responding to the backlash that they showed too much um, with the last major trailer because this one doesn't show any of the. I forget this bad guy's name. I'm a terrible DC fan. The monster thingy breathing fire from the last trailer. Doomsday. Oh yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> 
Oh, Doomsday. Yeah. So now I just want to I want to break this trailer down. First of all, it's a, it's a great trailer, and I think if they had skipped the last major trailer and made this the one, uh, they could have built Buzz a lot better. I think it turned a lot of people around. Um, but the first thirty seconds is the best Batman action ever put to film. I mean, I read Batman comics from the time I was a teenager and he's never been represented fighting style wise on screen the way he has been on the page. And this is just brutal. Have you guys all seen it? Yeah. Yeah. And so just for the Batman action alone, I'm sold again. I'm going to go check it out. I still believe they're going to make a standalone Batman film with Affleck. And this has me more geeked than ever for that, especially if he directs it. Um, you know, I'm still I'm still not sold on this Lex Luthor. Um, I'm sure what he's doing is part of his act within the film, but uh, he annoys me so far. I um I, I sort of have two different uh, things about this trailer. First off, I don't think that this movie made itself more millions of dollars uh, with this trailer. Um, I think it was going to be a huge hit no matter what. Sure. Um, it didn't matter that a bunch of people were down on it. It's that same thing that we always hear, um, every year where with something like this, Oh, it doesn't look as good. It doesn't look good. And it makes a hundred million dollars on opening weekend. Um, and, and uh, this movie will, will easily eclipse a hundred million over the weekend, over its opening weekend and all that. So, uh, you know, whatever, I don't really care that they came out with a new trailer. You're right. They should have come out with this earlier, but it also reeks of desperation to me. I immediately get to a fishy mode when the trailers that you've showed us so far uh, weren't good at all, and then suddenly you come out with one that's great. Is that Does that mean you just showed us all the good stuff that's in this movie? Uh, that's, what I wor- that's what I worry about when I see a trailer like this, um, is that they were holding back. Uh, trying to get people excited about it, and then they they saw that people were down on it, so they're all right. We'll show you that you shouldn't be down on it by showing you the five minutes or the two minutes that are good. Yeah, and out of a two and probably two and a half hour movie. Well, let's. Um, I mean, I will go on record readmitting after the last trailer, I called this this year's Terminator Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it has a, had a long way to go to even get me back you know, to even, and I'm, I'm probably almost there just for, just for that Batman stuff. Batman is a lot more compelling in this, this trailer. And so is Alfred actually. Like yeah. It makes Jeremy Irons a very believable Alfred. Uh, and it looks like they, they interact quite a bit based on the, the trailer. And I, I don't know if I agree with Bruce Wayne's math about like, if there's a 1% chance he's going to kill all of humanity, <laughs> you got to take him out. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. reminded me a lot, actually, of Tony Stark and Ultron and the whole put, you know, armor around the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's an extreme thing. Definitely corrective action. And I think they, they did the best one. So if we can just purge the last trailer from our memories, we should be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to be doing that anytime soon. <laughs> Jay, did you want to say anything? I'm so sorry. I'm going to be the, the hater and naysayer on this one. I'm just so ready for like a good romantic comedy (laughs) 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 or like some like heavy documentary or something like I'm so sick of like of uh, any hero I don't I just don't want I don't it doesn't even have to be a superhero I'm just done with heroes in general just like I'm sorry I know I'm the I'm the the no I think that leads naturally into one of the other questions I was going to bring up which is what's your opinion on a large number of superhero movies and are we going to burn people out? And I was saying this two, three years ago. So it sounds like you're saying it for sure. Definitely. Um, yeah. Chris. No, we're already there. Um, I, the, the problem is that once something becomes popular, there's a rush to come out with everything that you can possibly come out with while it's hot. Yeah. And I don't, I can't fault a studio for doing that. But what you get now is watered down product because they're aiming for a release date more than they are trying to get a good movie to come out. Sure. And that is been the problem with Marvel since they uh, said, we're going to come out with, you know, we're going to make the Avengers and all that. And then we're going to go to phase two and so on and so forth is that everything has been narrowed down to this, Uh, we need to come out with as many as possible 
in a short amount of time. And then now you have Warner Brothers saying, now we got to get a Justice League out. It, w- it won't be, I mean, it's, it's already there, but we're going to get to a point where there might be a, a Marvel or Warner Brothers property that does seriously bad business. Right. And they've got 10 in the pipeline that are being made. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a precarious position, isn't it? it well, we're facing the same issue with Star Wars because the Disney's going to pump out some kind of Star Wars movie every year for predictably the next five, 10 years at a minimum. At some point we're just going to have enough, right? Yeah. Uh, if, and I, I think they've forgotten what it means to, ha- to, to, uh, for, in, for uh, a movie to have anticipation. Yeah. Uh, that three year wait, uh, for for a whole bunch of stuff. Now you know you got all these characters that can have their standalone movies, and none of them make sense because they were the Avengers. And you know, it seems like every uh big problem that comes up should be an Avengers uh, uh problem. Right. Um. I mean, that's not nothing new. Um. But uh, it's I don't. Every year we're getting three of these comic book things. Now with Warner Brothers throwing in Justice League stuff, you're going to get even more. Um, and that's that's my main concern with it is that yeah, you you naturally are going to get tired of it, and they don't they don't really plan these things out like they used to. Um, they should they should have a three year gap between these movies, but their their thoughts are that oh well then we'll we'll lose the lose the momentum. But uh, I think movies like Fast and the Furious have shown that you can have uh, something going for years and years and years and not you not, not have to worry about it. Yeah, that's a good point. Here's a fun one um, that I think we've all probably discussed at some point in our lives, just not together. Um, best trilogy of all time. Hmm. Best trilogy of all time. Uh, one of you guys want to start on that? Um, I'm going to go straight to two. Uh, I always end up arguing for in this conversation and that's the Bourne movies and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm. Um, and you know, for me, both trilogies have three a to a plus films. Uh, there's no dip in quality. And in fact, there's almost, it almost gets better as you go. Um, and a lot of trilogies that people argue in this debate, uh, usually have like that one fatal flaw movie, that one that's just not as good as the rest, uh, that keep them from contention for me. Yeah, and and you're you're talking about that like there were two that instantly came to mind, and they both have fatal flaw movies: uh, The Godfather yeah. and uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> which you know you have Back to the Future two is is loved by many. There's a lot of people who have a really special place in their heart for that. Um, I, I I'm not one of them. <laughs> I like Back to the Future three a lot. Uh, you know, it's obviously a return to form for them. But uh, Back to the Future two is definitely like the valley in that in that trilogy. And then Godfather three. Oh my god, <laughs> it's just it's so not good. And 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 it's a it brings up an interesting thing. Like the Godfather, the first two came out in the seventies where m- movies were made a certain way. And then The Godfather 3 came out in 1990, where movies had changed quite a bit by that point, and it just sticks out like a sore thumb in that trilogy. Um, You know, everything is all like, you know, the 80s had just passed, and movies were just done just a completely different way. And, you know, it's, it, it suffers from it. And also just the fact that everybody did it to cash a paycheck basically, um, was not good either. And somehow it got a best picture nomination out of all that. So there you go. There's some more Oscar, uh, controversy for you, but, um, I would have to agree with you on that born thing. Uh, born, the born trilogy is definitely, uh, uh, just a plus and I, and, and, and it's, you know, everything's great about it. I remember the born identity came out and I was like, Oh yeah, that was a pretty good movie. And then you watch it again and you're like, Oh man, I really like this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, supremacy and ultimatum are both great too. Although a lot of people don't like the Paul Greengrass shaky cam stuff in it. I can look uh, past I, it. Yeah. I really like it in that, but, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback on you with the born there. I, I, I love born, but I'm going to actually, um, go a different way. I'm going to say, uh, toy story. Yeah, I was hoping somebody um, yeah. that up. Uh, John Lasseter is—he's a hero of mine and Ed Catmull. Um, which, by the way, read Creativity Inc. It's one of the great books of our time. Uh, it's so good. Um, but just anything, 
anything Pixar, I'll go and watch. But the Toy, the Toy Story trilogy is so impressive and so consistent. And um, if you know what they went through to make this um, consistent and build story, it's it's so impressive. Um, so, and it's also um, one of these um, uh, films that. Uh, adults and kids will like for years and years and years. So that's even more impressive in my mind. Yeah, that's one of the ones that I don't usually pick for my side and to argue, but I'm, I always accept that argument. Toy Story is a fantastic trilogy. Barrett? Yeah, I think I can make an argument to, to say that the first two Godfather films are good enough to actually uh, overcome the craziness of the third one. Uh, if you If you put me on a desert island, that's probably what I would want to watch. For some mm-hmm. reason, to me, the Bourne movies blend together, uh, so I just can't. I, I like all of them, but I, if I put on an ultimatum or a supremacy, the identity stands on its own. But you know, I really can't tell which one is which. Uh, but that's that's just me. So I, I would actually just go for the original Star Wars trilogy. I mean, it it, it you could make an argument saying that the uh, Return of the Jedi is the fatal flaw movie. And you can make a good argument for it, but I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be it. on that. I I think it's a good movie. I think it just got over the years the the Ewoks got a bad rap, you <laughs> yeah. know, um, uh, the cuteness, and I, I think it was exacerbated by the fact that when Lucas did the special editions, he was <laughs> exclusively putting all this cutesy shit and all these you know things, and then the, of course the prequels really threw that into the into overdrive. Um, but return of the Jedi used to be my favorite one. Cause I was, you know, I was a kid. It, it was the first one I got to see in the theater. Yeah. The totality yeah. of that trilogy is, is really entertaining. I would say. So that, that would be my pick. Yeah. I also accept the star Wars trilogy. I'm, I'm disappointed. Nobody brought up a terrible trilogy that I could beat down. <laughs> well, you know, uh, as soon as they come out with a best exotic marigold hotel three, then I'll we'll, we'll figure out whether that's the best one or not. You could make an argument for the Fantastic Four, those first two, and then the one that came out last year. That's a oh, fantastic yeah. trilogy, definitely pun intended. Definitely, oh, it's fantastic. And then, uh, then the X Men trilogy, which turned into nine movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Somebody's going to be commenting under this podcast saying, you can't call Bourne a trilogy now that they made another one. Yeah. Well, the Bourne Legacy was a was basically a prequel or a side movie to the original trilogy anyway. So no, you can't really- it's a cheap imitation, but it got such a bad rap that when I finally watched it, I was like, this isn't that bad. No, I like I actually like Bourne Legacy. It's just that, you know, I think people were saying, oh, it's not Matt Damon. It's not good. Um so, I mean, I, I actually kind of like Born Legacy. <laughs> All right. Well, that uh, appears to be our syncast for uh, this week. Uh, we will we do this every Monday. So we will see you next time. I'm Chris Atkinson with Jeremy Scott, Barrett Share, and Jay Lalonde. We'll see you soon. Peace. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out Cinema Sins on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Ball kicking first. Ball kicking first. Okay. And then right after that, go, hey, where's the Lord of the Rings walking tour? <laughs> walking tour. <laughs> can we rent some eagles? Yeah. Can we rent some eagles? That'd be great. <laughs> can, can they take us halfway there and then just drop us off? <laughs> yeah. It'll be a good podcast for sure. Yeah. Um, I can't wait till you start ripping into Adele for reasons we can't get into. Hmm. Actually, I don't begrudge. I don't begrudge Adele. Uh, she actually seems like like a pretty cool chick. But like, I could see that going well. Jay, you hate Adele, yeah? Why? I'm not supposed to talk about. I can't. I can't talk about how I hate Adele. Wow, that's some rumor starting shit right there. Two seconds. Fuck you, Barrett. You fucked us on that one, Barrett. You God fu- damn it. I hate Barrett so much. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bootleg fireworks thing? Oh, the Rikus. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Rikus. Oh, oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. That video is so hysterical. Every time I watch it, I end up crying. <laughs> I, have I seen this video? I think I've seen this video. Yeah, it's the guy sets off fireworks, but they go all over the street and the neighborhood. Oh, homes yeah. And, the, the, camera. and the guy is like giving out. his commentary and shit during it. Yeah, he's like, Jesus, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
Up and at them. Up and at them. The goggles. They do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do, do we need to say anything else? No, I was going to make a joke about turning you saying I liked the Born Legacy into a ringtone. And I never <laughs> realized it was a bad idea. King of Limbs? No, no, no. The one that was considered the best of the last decade. Of the last okay. decade? Uh, oh. Okay, computer? No, no. The last decade. Why can't we come up with uh, this? Hail to the Thief? No, you guys are coming up with every album other than this. In uh, Rainbows, in Rainbows. Nope. 